Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G, with me on the Sunday Fun Day edition of the show. None other than a man that has paddled from one island to another island with me on paddleboards. Jake, Papa J-Bones, parlor. That's me. That's you. And uh, that was another instance, I believe, where I got scorched red on a trip with you. You did. You did. But that one... A little bit less than than the the first one we mentioned, and this one had the added joy of our friend Ryan downing six packs on the high seas. So, oh, dude, I forgot <laughs> about that. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and he talked about one thing that we will leave off the air pretty much the whole trip. Hmm. The whole trip anyways okay anyway it's jake it seems like this week i wanted to talk about one thing here at the start of the show well multiple things but sort of one theme it seems for some reason this week i was inundated with news of what famous actors were up to word okay yeah yeah, like, I, you I, know. like just like so i saw multiple reports especially on the uh, three fellas Three fellas in particular, hmm. inundated with information. And I feel like I need to expose the listeners to this information as well. Uh, who do you want to hear about first? Zach Efron or Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds again? He's in the news? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, let's go with Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Okay. So uh, as I'm sure you remember, we had the bear story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. the lady had her teddy bear that her mom made for her and it was stolen and Ryan Reynolds offered up $5,000 to whoever returned the bear. No questions asked. Well, as we reported, the bear was returned and I still have found no actual word of Ryan Reynolds paying that $5,000. That's still, that's not the news, Jake. So liar. Yeah, exactly. Now, you and I agreed both that uh, $5,000 is quite a lowball offer from him as far as a reward. Well, this past week it was reported that Ryan will be selling his gin company that he's had a stake in for just two years. He bought stake in this gin company. I think it's called Aviation Gin. Um, He's sold it uh, this past week, and he'll make a cool... $610 $610 million. Wait, what? Yeah. I, I'm i beginning. I used to be a big Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds fan, but yeah, I don't know, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're wondering, listeners, that means his reward for the bear is roughly 0.0008% of that fortune Sweet. he just made. Or put another way, uh, let's say... $610 million, he gets 2% interest on that a year, 
which is a really low ball number if you invest it, right? You would expect more of interest than that. Yeah. But just 2% interest, that means if he was getting 2% interest on that, he would make $33,000 a day, Word. which means the amount he put up for that bear would be one-seventh of what he makes in interest from doing nothing every day. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So... I, why? What is Aviation Gin, and why have I never heard of this company if it's, they're worth that much? It's just a gin company, and see, what happens is the much, much bigger liquor companies go up and buy these small designer alcohol brands for a lot of money, so they can't become their competition. Yes! It's sort of the same thing that Coca-Cola does with most non-alcoholic beverages. That's right. Uh, you or know, like, uh, like vitamin water, yeah. when they came along and said, hey, we'll buy that for... Three billion dollars and fifty cent got six hundred million from that. So, you know, yeah. you know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's my Ryan Reynolds news. He's now richer than a small country. That's a fact. There you go. That's that's his news. Now let's move on to Zach Efron. So Zach Word. Efron has a new show on Netflix. Have you seen it, Jake? Hmm. Yes, sir. You have. Oh, yes, yeah, you're talking about Down to Earth, right? Yeah, did you watch any of it? It's actually kind of cool. I mean, I was never really a Zac Efron fan. Yeah, no. But uh, I was like... I gotta say, I'm like, more of a fan of Zac Efron than uh, than Ryan Reynolds. I like Zac Efron yeah. more. Um, so yeah. true. Now, and, it, and it's like you said, it show's pretty cool. It's about like living more sustainably, getting in touch with Earth, being healthier. Really popular. Um... Now, the bad thing, Jake, I don't know if you picked up on some of this, but there's a bunch of in the show that's not founded in science at all. Uh, like, like most documentaries on Netflix, it's just things that people say, and then everybody else goes, yeah, I believe that. That sounds good. Like, I don't know if you caught this, no. but in one of the shows, they're, they're talking about goat milk, and the guys tell Zac Efron that the goat milk comes out of the goat pasteurized what and he's like oh that's good yeah i'll totally drink that listeners that doesn't happen at all nope think about that how would a goat pasteurize its milk it can't it's full of bacteria when it comes out of a goat just like in milk from a cow so true and you will get sick if you drink it so don't drink milk straight out of a goat but my problem my so Oh yeah, go Did ahead. Did he drink it? Oh yeah, he drank it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I bet his 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 immune system is just <laughs> banging right now. <laughs> and probably one of my favorite things that he does, he travels to France, and Zach's travel companion, the guy that he's got on the show, that's sort of like the health guru, uh, he tells him to put his bare feet on the grass because it will help him reset his circadian rhythm. From the changing time zones. Wait, what? Yeah, that's... And now, if some guy said that to me, I'd be like, let's see. And then I'd give it like a day, and that, I don't believe him, but whatever. Well, Maybe it's just like a, a ritual thing. Well, I mean, you know, birds flying south to South America in migration patterns do go off of the mag magnetic pull of the Earth. So true. But we as humans, that helps zero. It does nothing for us. And you would think somebody, when they were making this show, would be like, hey, maybe we should check a couple of these things just to make sure they're not magical shit. But nobody did. Nope. But 
That's not the most interesting thing about the show, uh, Jake. The most interesting thing about the show is that Zach gets shirtless. Say what? Several times. And this yeah. has been all over the news, Jake. All over the news. And it's well, that exactly. Exactly. They called it a dad bod. Word. They said they said he transformed what? from Baywatch bod to dad bod. And first, I've got to say the only thing that I really saw about this transformation was that he didn't shave his body. He was just furry. That's Yeah. Second, if that's a dad bod, sign me up for the Zac Efron dad bod. I want one of those. So true. That's yeah. a hot dad bod. I will take it. I will take it well, right now. Yes! You know, I've uh, I've read about his diet when he was going into Baywatch. Oh, it's crazy. Like yeah, no carbohydrates. It's, it's just like all kinds of 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 vegetable. It's insane, man. That's right. Yeah. So I don't I don't blame him for finding a diet that's a little bit more sustainable and gives him that physique. A hundred percent. A hundred and I gotta say, Jake, in the in some of the pictures from the documentary, he's got a Tom Selleck look going. I mean, if I show you yeah, the comparis dude. comparison, you'll see it. Magnum PI, Zach Efron. I do some morphin, a, it's right there. And that's hot. He's handsome. Yeah. He's a handsome fella. Amen. Amen. Also, this is a side note that has nothing to do with anything I've talked about up to this point, Word. but I noticed it when I was looking at the comparison of Tom Selleck and Zac Efron. Chris Pratt looks a lot like Tom Brady in some pictures. I'm just saying. I just, I noticed that. He looks a lot like him in some pictures. Just saying. Yeah, w w whenever he... Slims whenever up. He lost that, yeah, whenever he lost that weight for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. He was... He, he was a he was, he was a stud. He, bro. he was in better shape than Tom Brady, that's for sure. I mean, at least yeah. physical appearances. But I'm saying in the facial, the facial region. What? Anyways, I got sidetracked. Now, the 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 last person on the list, Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, Leo is special. Yes. Leo is a special piece of man candy. So true. And he's so special, Jake, that I dedicated a whole intro to him a year ago about who he's dated. And let me tell you, he's dated some stunners. And inc yeah. incredibly, the people that we've already talked about, he dated Giselle before Tom Brady married her. He dated Blake Lively before Ryan Reynolds married her. He even took Zac Efron on a breakfast date. Say what? That's how hot he is. He took another piece of man candy out on a man date for breakfast. And like Prince, he made him waffles. Sweet. Zach actually yeah. said that. Yeah. Yeah. But what uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has been doing is he's been working on the Amazon. He's been trying to get the Amazon not to be on fire. Word. Because it's been burning a lot for the last year. Jeez. And they haven't been doing so much about it. Well, yeah. he put some... Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. That's a fact. He put some pictures on uh, on Instagram of, you know, videos and whatnot of the rainforest burning, and it actually caught the attention of the vice president hmm. of Brazil. The vice president actually called him out, saying, I'd like to invite our most recent critic, the actor Leonardo DiCaprio, to come with me to northern Brazil and walk eight hours through the jungle. Wait, What? What? Yeah. What? What's the, what's the end goal? Yeah. For, for, I mean, like, so 
with with all due respect, Jake, and, and by the way, I mean that in the Talladega Nights version of with all due respect, which means I can say anything afterwards. That was extremely, extremely dumb for the vice president yeah. to say. Uh, because the Amazon rainforest is the biggest rainforest in the world. Even though it keeps diminishing in size because it's burning, it's still huge. Yes! Now, let's imagine that all Texas was a rainforest, Jake, and on the west part of Texas, around El Paso, it was all on fire. Thousands, thousands, thousands of acres. I could easily walk for eight hours in Houston and see no evidence of fires. So true. Because I'm 800 miles away from where the fires are. So, I get no idea what the vice president is talking about here. He makes no sense. None whatsoever. No no, no, you know, I, no sense. I, I could see if he was doing it to kind of... I could see if he was doing it to get Leonardo DiCaprio on board on trying to do something for the for the rainforest, but he called him out as like a critic. Yeah. And then was like, yeah, I don't yeah. understand. That's what I was saying. I'm confused by his, his aim there. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, if I was the vice president of Brazil, I'd just be like, hey... Shout out to Leonardo DiCaprio. He's pretty hot. Yes! Am I right? So true. All right, next subject. That's probably what I would do. That's just that's just me. But, Jake, uh, there's not really too much uh, to bring together of all these stories about these three uh, dudes. Nope. Uh, besides the point that I think we can all agree that all three of these guys have a life that's way, 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 way better than ours. Am I right? That's a fact. Yeah, and then I think we can also agree that Ryan Reynolds is our least favorite that's, of those three. That's right. Yeah, take that, Ryan Reynolds. I'd much rather hang out with Zac Efron and Leonardo DiCaprio and eat waffles. So true. I would be happy about that. Very happy. Yeah. 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 Amen, Jake. Amen. Amen. On that note, are you ready to fire up this pro Leonardo DiCaprio and pro Zac Efron show? Dude, I've been waiting all week. Let's get this thing started. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Okay. Yes! My goodness, the guest today. I am so excited about this guest. Word. Uh, I don't know if I can call him a king of Nashville, but he's certainly doing his thing in Nashville. That's a fact. He is. He's killing the music game. None other Wait. than Zade Wolf. Zade oh, Wolf. You've heard his music. Like you know it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm tingling. Yeah. Now, before the show, he told me, he got in contact with me, he wants to do a guest shoe and tell, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, bring it. What do you need me for? Wait. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A guest shoe and tell. You don't, that, 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 that doesn't encroach on Jake territory. I'm just saying. No, man. I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm just saying, if, if Zade Wolf was like, hey, man, fire Jake and then bring me on full time. <laughs> I would totally understand. Word. Oh, well, I'm glad at least you'd understand. You'd be understanding, and I'd be like, hey, sorry, there's a way better person. You'd be like, totes cool. I'll see you later. All right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Don't worry. It's not happening. But we are talking to him today, and I'm very excited. Let's start, though, where we start birthday suit. Now. Mm. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Jake, I'll go ahead and let you know. All three birthday suits, NBA basketball players. Can you believe it? Yeah. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. I'm gonna get it. Oh, you're gonna get it. The first one. I'm gonna kill it. The the fir the first birthday suit. Hundred percent. Say what? I'm not even giving you a chance of not getting this. That's how big this person is. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Here we go. Born on August 23rd, 1978, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. When our birthday suit wearer was six, his father moved their family to Italy so he could play professional basketball. As a result, our birthday suit wearer... Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is correct. Yes. Yes. Nicely done. Nicely done, man. Let me finish it up. R.I.P. Kobe, but let me go through his life here. At the age of 13, he moved back to Philadelphia. He played high school basketball at Lower Marion High School. His senior year, he averaged 30.8 points, 12 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 4 steals, and 3.8 blocks a game. Jeez. It's a solid stat list. It's insane. So true. He was the high school player of the year, McDonald's All-American Gatorade player of the year. He decided to go directly to the NBA. He was drafted 13th by the Charlotte Hornets, but immediately traded to the Lakers for Vladi Divac. Our birthday suit wearer only played for the Lakers his whole career. He was an 18-time All-Star, a 5-time champion, a 15-time All-NBA player, a 12-time All-Defensive uh, Team player, a 2-time scoring champion, an MVP, and a 2-time Olympic gold medal winner, and a Hall of Famer. And both of his jerseys, 8 and 24, are retired by the Lakers. Jeez. Boom. Kobe Bryant, Jake. Kobe yeah. Bean Bryant. Would have been 42 today. Would have been 42. Man. Man. What a career. Do you put him in your top five? He's in my top five for sure. I'd put him in, honestly, I'd say top three. I know that's... that's. Uh, it's getting pretty crazy. That's, bold. that's getting pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure most when I say it, my, my top three uh, is, is Jordan... Kareem and Bill Russell. Those are my top threes. Oh, okay. Well, can I explain to you why? Go explain I, I it. Explain it. Okay. All right. So the reason, well, because the man, you know, like LeBron, I, LeBron's in my top five, mm -hmm. but LeBron has kind of ring chased. I would say, you know, he's gone from For sure. Cleveland to Miami, mm -hmm. back to Cleveland, nice mm -hmm. with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Kobe never did that. Loyal. Loyal to the Lakers, and they had all these seasons where they would go down, and then they would come back up, build up the young guys around him, and then they would go down. He would stick it out, and then they would go back up again. Oh yeah. So he he like he like transformed. There was like two or three different dynasties when he was with the Lakers, and it was because he was the he was consistent. He was the I don't know. That's just he was the he opinion. was the two thousands Michael Jordan. That's what he was. I mean, yeah. he basically uh, did the same thing that Jordan did. He was. I mean, you've seen those mirror images of him. Me and me and Andy Frasco, who was a huge fan of uh, Kobe Bryant, we talked about so it. So true. Uh, and I mean, you know, to me, that that is. I mean, he he mirrored everything. The only thing that he understood in his career a little too late was the the trying to motivate your teammates in a positive way uh and he couldn't be the only part of a winning formula those two things took a little bit to the end of his career before he got 
that Jordan understood yeah. a little bit sooner in his career. And I think if Kobe would have understood those things earlier in his career, he would have probably one or two more championships, would be my guess. Yeah. Just a thought. Okay. But still, one of the greatest players of all time, no doubt. R.I.P. Kobe. It is his birthday. Uh, Jake, are you ready? Time for a little rip from the headlines. Is it that time? It's that time. Yep, the ripping and the tearing. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jake, what are you driving these days? Nissan? Is it a Nissan, right? I'm a Nissan dude, man. I got a, I got a, that was my first car I ever bought in my in my own name. Nice. A Nissan Versa. Nice. Are, are you pretty satisfied with it? Hmm. I like it. It's it's a little small for me because mm-hmm. I'm a bigger guy. You're a big dude. But uh, it gets the job done. Now, when you're looking for a lady to date, how high on the list of attributes would you say finding a lady that also drives a Nissan is on that list for you? Word. I don't think about it, but I'll be honest. I do get intimidated when they have a nicer whip than me. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, the, but finding a Nissan, not too much of a component on your, your list of criteria. Not. No. Apparently it is for Tesla owners. Word. And, and, and well. since it's criteria for them, an app designer is designing an app for Tesla owners to date other Tesla owners, calling it Tesla dating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see how that's uh I don't also don't own a Tesla, so I understand. But J- Jake I don't see where that's- for a long time I didn't know if there was any dating app that would be able to take over farmers only for the dumbest dating app, but I think this has done it. I think this is this has took it. Uh, the creator of the app told Business Insider, Tesla has become a big part of their identity, and they've shared a lot of the same values, like wanting to reduce their impact on the environment, standing for Elon Musk, or appreciating high tech. Word. And don't worry, Jake, I know what you're thinking. What if some loser that doesn't actually have a Tesla tries to get on this app? Don't worry. They make you submit a picture of yourself sitting inside your Tesla before you can get on the app. Thank you. So there you go. There you go. Now, uh, Jake, I have my own suggestion for Tesla owners. Uh, Maybe stop talking about how awesome your car is and how you saved the world with your car, even though you could have done the same thing with bicycle and maybe people will start going out with you without having to go on an app made for your own stupid car how about that so true how about yeah. just yeah. just a thought maybe i don't know i'm i'm, or, I'm just saying or just you know it's uh don't don't let a car become the biggest part of your identity that's a fact you know maybe it seems it seems it seems like a roundabout way to to uh exclude everyone else and just make because it just seems like they're just trying to make this just a rich group of people that can go on a dating app without having to say uh, rich people with an electric car. Jake. So true. Yeah. 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 Jake, uh, let's go on. This this next story is pretty fun for me. Uh, it's been going on for centuries, and people have been talking about this most recent edition. I've actually seen it in several news articles. Uh, Nikki Hawkerson from Dundee 
was unloading her groceries when she removed her bag of potatoes and realized that there was a potato with Jesus Christ's face on it. Word. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Nikki called her husband into the room who immediately looked at the potato and agreed, yes, for sure, that's Jesus. Say what? Now, I'm going to tell you they had a picture of the potato in the article, Jake, and Zac Efron looks way more like Tom Selleck than that potato looks like Jesus Christ. I'm just going to say that right now. That's a fact. Go ahead and let you know that. That's for sure. But I love, I love this part of the article. They then ask her what she was going to do with the potato, and she's like, oh, I already ate it. Wait, what? What? Huh? What? Man. You just ate Jesus like that? Really? Girl, come on. Really? But, you know, she just thought it was a neat coincidence. She didn't think it was one of those miraculous appearances, you know? I love those people that think it's like a sign that Jesus is trying to talk to them, you know? That he came into a potato and I, it, yeah. it's like that time. I'm like, you think that's what Jesus chose? Was a potato? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's all he could muster up. This dude is omnipotent and all knowing. And the best he could get was a potato. Like, this guy was walking on water, and turning water into wine, and curing lepers back in the day. And now in 2020, the best he's got is I'm gonna show up sort of on a potato like you'd think you could come up with something better you know I, bro i hate to uh i hate to cut you off but i just i typed in uh jesus potato on google yeah and i found something better yeah what'd you find hmm. it's a potato chip that has jesus it's a lay's potato chip uh -huh. that has like the it has like the little i guess brown parts in it where maybe they little burnt the yeah uh-huh yeah and it is it is jesus yeah it is straight it is straight jesus. on straight on jesus the the potato mm -hmm. the potato well yeah i mean would you classify a chip being a higher level of uh reincarnation than uh, than just the potato by itself mm. oh sure bro okay yeah. okay okay hey. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna send you this picture. Good, Sweet. good. I need to have a, a Jesus potato. That's very important. Oh, I think I see it actually. I've got it, but send it to me anyways. I need a, I need one on my phone. Okay, uh, yeah. Jake, have you heard of the Microsoft Flight Simulator? Hmm. No. It's it's making a very a big splash in 2020. So the the Microsoft Flight Simulator goes all the way back to the 70s how long they've been doing this stuff but essentially it's software that makes flight simulation where you can fly around the world you can essentially practice flying a plane and going over now because it's so you know high tech they use microsoft maps and you can literally go over the entire landscape of the world say what yeah it's pretty cool and you can do this all online. So, like, you get information about other people's uh, flight simulated planes. So you're out there with all these other people flying around in this simulated world. Very cool. Sweet. And uh, the newest edition, 2020, just came out uh, just last week. And people have uh, been going bananas for it. 
And, you know, they've already found all kinds of things, funny things, in the uh, the game. Uh, like, they found in Melbourne, Australia, they found a 212-story building that doesn't actually exist, obviously. Hmm. It was actually from a glitch from the programmers. They didn't mean to have it in there, and it's just this super, super tall, skinny building for no reason in there. And, of course, they're all like, stupid Microsoft. They couldn't recreate the world perfectly. Lame. Girl, come on. You know. Uh, and the Charlotte Observer, the newspaper, put out an article about how they were pretty butthurt that the game didn't get the uh, graphics of the city correct. Apparently, the game used, like, old pictures of Charlotte. So it's, like, literally pictures from, like, the 80s. It's, like, missing half of downtown Charlotte. Oh. Um, so people were, people were talking about these, but I think the most interesting thing by far... <laughs> about this game is the extreme interest in the gamers to fly to the coordinates of Jeffrey Epstein's former island in the Caribbean. Word. <laughs> it's so weird. At one point on Friday, there were dozens of users, literally all of these fake simulated planes on the simulated island in this game going around this island like you can fly anywhere in the world and that's where these people chose like you could fly over the grand canyon yes. the great wall of china yes. the green isles of ireland yes. mount everest yes. and you chose to fly to a small caribbean island once owned by a pedophile hmm. like what so you mean to tell me that I mean, I'll be honest, that's that's probably one of the first ten places I'd probably go check out. <laughs> Girl, come on. But like seriously, you're not gonna you're not gonna fly to this island and gonna find like a lockbox of clues like, oh, now we know about his life. Like it's from pictures. All you're gonna do is just see this like this Caribbean island from afar. Like it's not gonna tell you anything. Like, come on. If you're if you're listening to the show right now and you were one of the people that did this this past week, you've officially lost the excuse of telling someone you're busy. So true. Because if you got enough time to fly to an island on a simulator just because it was owned by a dead pedophile, you've got too much time on your hands. Okay? So you can no longer use the excuse, I don't have time to do this. Because yes! you do. You do have the time. Just saying. Uh, okay. Jake, let me check here real quick. Uh, yes. Okay. We got time for one more story before we go to break. Uh, Jake, what's the scariest thing you've ever had a teacher say to do or reprimand you in school? Hmm. All right. So re so you said what's the the skinniest thing? Scariest. Like what? Oh, the scariest. What's, what's frightening that they've done when they reprimanded you that you remember like being, whoa. That's scary. Hmm. All right. So I was told exactly not to do something. Uh huh. And then the next the next day, I was just like, I'm gonna show her. And nice. I did said thing. Yeah. Uh. And um, for some reason, I just wanted to tell on myself. So <laughs> uh, she didn't know. I, I guess. Yeah. So I the next day she comes back to class and I said, you know, I did the thing you told me not to do. No. Nice. She was like, Oh, we talked about that, didn't we? And I'm like, Yeah. And then she says, All right. Well, go walk down to the guidance counselor's office and tell him what you've done. Mm. And so I had to make that trip down mm. there by myself. Mm. I, co I 
and I started. I, start, I was like second grade, and I started bawling, mm. started crying. Mm-hmm. And he felt he felt bad for me, so he gave me a bunch of uh, Reese peanut butter cups and sent me back to class. So that did not actually that 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 actually turned out very well for you. But it was the walk there that was so scary. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I I got pretty much the same thing. Like whenever I get in tr- trouble, they do the go call your parents deal. Like they they would send me to the principal's office. I'd have to tell the principal, and the principal would be like, "All right, you got to call your parents, tell them what you did." Say what? So like by fifth grade, especially, you could tell my mom was like, "Oh Jesus," because she'd just pick up the phone, she'd see that it was the school, and she'd be like, "Oh." What did you do, Ben? And then I'd tell her, and she'd be like, "Oh, God!" You know, it was it was it was getting bad by fifth grade. I did a lot of stupid things in elementary school. That's a fact. They didn't get so much better in high school and middle school. I just got better at covering them up. Nope. Uh, anyways, it was a lot more extreme in the situation in this news article, uh, Jake. Uh, when I got reprimanded, I never really had any physical reprimand or intimidation that there would be physical reprimand, you know? That's a fact. But, uh, apparently that's, that's, uh, what's going down in St. John's, Canada over the last couple of years. Word. Because, uh, a principal is on trial for assaulting and threatening special needs students. Jeez. Special needs students. Call me crazy, mm-hmm. Jake, but it's gonna be a blemish on your CV if you're convicted. Of so that. true. It's gonna. Sure, sure. It's gonna be hard to get another job. I'm just saying. Well, uh, you could always go to that school in a school down in Florida, the one that arrested the special. That's needs true. Kid. That's true. Yeah. They uh, they they just call the cops on them instead of threatening them. You just call the cops to get them to take uh, take the special needs kid away. Jeez. Uh, so last week, a lady went on try or on uh, to testify in this trial, and she was a substitute teacher at the school in 2017, and she said that one day one of the kids had pulled the cords out of the smart board. So the smart board in the class, this kid just got excited and just like ripped all the cords out of the wall, right? And uh, the principal caught word of this incident, and he came into that classroom. And this is how the teacher explained it. She said, quote, he asked me to get him a pair of scissors. So I handed him the scissors, and then he held them up to the child and said, you do that again, I'll chop your fingers off. What? The teacher went on to say, the child looked at me surprised. I don't know that he knew if the principal was going to do that. I believed he was saying it to the child as a way to curb his behavior. Word. I love how the teacher added the part about the kid looking at her. Like the kid was looking at her like, <laughs> are you hearing this right yeah. now? What? Is this, is this, am I being punked? Huh? What is going on here? Is this for real? Like, also, this is aside from the point, but I I, I don't know. Maybe the kid should have just called the, the, the principal's bluff on this one because... If those were actual elementary school scissors, I mean, you can barely cut through a sheet of paper with those things. 
It'd take like 10 days to cut through a finger. That's a fact. The principal would like pass oh, out true. from fatigue before he actually got a finger off. There's no way you could do it. You remember those scissors? They're horrible, man. Oh, I, I remember I remember using those and uh, eating Elmer's glue. <laughs> Ew. Uh, I remember the, the glue sticks had a real like, like... It was like a, I don't know, like a chemical popcorn smell or something. Mm. It was just such a weird smell that I was just so, like, I wasn't intrigued to eat it. I was just like, what is this? Why does it yeah. smell like this? What is going on? Anyways, Jake, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, Zade Wolf. This is his fantastic song, Gladiator, right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Remember, folks, you need to check out the podcast. Some of you are already listening to it. We know there's a good number of you listening to it. That's but, you know, if you get a chance, tell your friends to listen to it. So wherever yeah. you're listening to it on the uh, on, on, on an app or on a, on a podcast service, tell them. To listen to it on that app or on that podcast service. That's right. It'd really help us out. It would make me feel better. It would make Jake feel better. And, uh, you know, if yeah. Zade Wolf magically takes over Jake's position, it'd make him feel better, too. Just it's saying. so true. Just saying. Yeah, and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> He's okay with that. Uh, Jake, are you ready to do some shout-outs to those great folks that actually do listen to the Doc G Show? I'm ready to hear you do some uh, Well, where do you want to start? You want to do regular, semi-regulars, or newcomers? Hmm. Uh, let's end with the okay. newcomers. Um, just, yeah, just, I'll leave it up to you, but. Let's just, just warm up with semi-regulars. Let's just get crazy. Let's just do semi-regulars first. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. First off in the semi-regulars, but Houston, Texas. Shout out. They're getting near regular. Houston, man. Keep listening, guys. Do it. Shout out to Houston. Um, Scottsdale, Arizona, back on the list. Thank you, Scottsdale. Shout out. Jake, we already know about this place. We know about its altitude. We know about its history. Medellin, Colombia. Shout out, Medellin. Thank you for listening. That's right. Uh, Troy, Michigan. We also know about Troy, home of Ninja. Shout out, Troy. Uh, Hamburg, Hamburg, Germany, getting some regularity Shout again. Out. Looks like they've been taking their Metamucil. hi That's a regularity. <laughs> guess, Jake. There you go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lastly, a little bit of Brooklyn love. Shout out to Brooklyn. Shout out to Brooklyn. Shout okay, out. that's our semi-regulars, Jake. Let's hit up the regulars. Here we go. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County. Shout out to Columbia, South Carolina, Richland County. Shout out to Gainesville, Florida, home of the Gators. Shout out to Radford, Virginia, home of the Highlanders. Shout out to Dublin, Ireland. Shout out to Boardman, Oregon. Shout out to Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City. Shout out to Charleston, South Carolina, and the Low Country. Shout out to Barcelona, Spain, another international listener. Shout out to Ashburn, Virginia, in the Commonwealth. Shout out to Roanoke. Virginia, also in the Commonwealth. Shout out to Kenner, Louisiana, right in the D-Town. I tried to get out downtown, but I said D-Town. Downtown of New Orleans. Shout out to Madison, Tennessee. Shout out to Mountain View, California, our first West Coast connection. Shout out to London, United Kingdom. Shout out to Orlando, Florida, down in the bubble, the NBA bubble. Shout out to Peoria, Illinois. Shout out to Genoa, Italy, in the boot. Shout out to Brighton, United Kingdom. Shout out to Bristol, Virginia, right on the line of Tennessee. Shout out to Moscow, Russia, our most recent international listener. Shout out to Fisherville, Virginia, and the Commonwealth. And shout out to Columbus, Georgia. There we go, Jake. There we go. You always always impress me with that run. Well, you know, I tripped. I tripped right there in the middle. It was like there was a middle hurdle on on Kenner, Louisiana, and downtown. Just plop, I flipped over it. But I regathered, and I finished strong. I feel like the listeners gave me the pity applause. You know, like, oh, He came. Oh, he's still going. Yeah, good for him. Anyways, Jake, are you ready? 
It's time for the the newcomers. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I'm excited. We've got two internationals here. Two internationals, both uh, from the Europe, uh, the the Europe continent here. Uh, okay. First off, Aberdeen, Scotland. Shout yeah, out. shout out Aberdeen, an international Jake that I've actually been to. That's right. That's right. Yes. Mm, yes, oh, really? I have been to the city of Aberdeen, my friend. Uh, man, does Aberdeen have the history? They go way back, way way back. Have you have you seen Braveheart? Hmm. You've seen Braveheart, right? Uh, of, yeah, it's in my of top course. 10. Robert the Bruce from Braveheart. It's a lot different in real life, but Robert the Bruce in real life attacked Aberdeen because it was under uh, English rule during the wars of Scottish independence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, neat. yeah, and uh, you know they actually proposed leaving the United Kingdom again. Scotland did after the UK left the EU. So true. Scotland was like, "Hey, you know what? We want back in the EU. Maybe we'll just leave the United Kingdom." They actually haven't had the vote on yet. Still, from what I can tell, Jake, it's still up in the air. But uh, yeah, yeah. And fun fact, Jake, Aberdeen has the Gordon constituency. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. I don't know well, what About is. 40 miles northwest of Aberdeen is the historic home of the Gordon Highlanders. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I see. And I the see ancestral now. home of the chief of the Gordon clan. Yeah. Say what? And you, you know what's uh, something sort of ironic, a little bit funny? The first recorded Gordon ever in uh, in Scottish history was Richard the Gordon. You know what my dad's name is? Richard. There you go. There it is. Shout out to my Gordons across the ocean right there. Shout out to Aberdeen. Yes! Jake, our next newcomer, Linz, Austria. Shout out. Linz, Austria. Shout out to Linz. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like Austria. Yeah, well, Only because Linz of, is pretty close to Germany and the Czech Republic. It's it's like it's literally like twenty miles away from both, which is pretty wild to think about, right? Like you're only twenty miles away from two different countries. Yes. Completely different countries. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And um it's it uh, Linz runs along the Danube River. You heard of the Danube? If you Ben We all know, okay. Geography's not your yeah, strong okay. point. We all know. Okay, okay. Danube yeah. is 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 a big deal when you talk Germany, when you talk World War II, there was a lot of stuff that went on around the Danube. It's the second longest river in Europe. So, you'll hear it a lot through a lot of different countries because it goes through a lot of different countries. But Lens is on the Danube. So there you go. And also, very neat. You ever heard of a Linzer tort, the dessert, Jake? Hmm. No, no. you haven't? No, okay. No. I'm well, sorry. a Linzer tort, it's a little bit like a cake uh, with some like uh, fruit jam in it, but it's also a little bit like a pie, but it's still classified as a cake. And it's, it's said to be the oldest cake named after a place. And it was named after Linz, Austria. There you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lin- 
Sounds Linzer Tor. It's not bad. I mean, if they do it right, it's extremely buttery. And of course, that's tasty. You know, it's very buttery. It's very sweet. There's a little bit of a cinnamon kick to it. The fruit is a nice touch. It's very good. It's very good. There's nuts on it, too. They sprinkle nuts on the top of it. A little sprinkle of nuts. Sweet. Anyways, shout out to Linz, Austria. Shout out to Aberdeen, Scotland. Shout out to everybody. The Doc G Nation, as we like to say. Yes! The Doc G Nation. Yes! Okay, Jake. Got a couple more stories. Maybe one. Maybe two. Hmm. Let's go. We'll, we'll see what we get with one. Uh... Jake, we've had so many of these, uh, and I don't know if I'm going to keep putting them on the show, but this one this one just had some interesting points, so I had to bring this, uh, this particular one up. Uh, so, Troy McCoy, that's his name, Troy McCoy. What were his parents thinking with Troy? Okay. Like, come on, don't rhyme your first name and last name. It's, just, it's like if my parents named me Jordan Gordon. How dumb would that be? It's not cool. Anyways, Troy McCoy and his girlfriend uh, were at Sesame Place. Do you know what Sesame Place is? No. I, I had no idea this existed either. Apparently, it's a theme park for Sesame Street. Hmm. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a whole theme park yeah. for Sesame Street in Philadelphia. It's pretty crazy. Anywho... Troy and his girlfriend are walking around Sesame Place. And Sesame Place has a rule that you must wear a mask while on the premise. And Troy and his girlfriend aren't wearing a mask. Nope. So, as the couple is walking by Captain Cookie's High Sea Adventure... Sweet! Which sounds like a pretty dope ride, you gotta admit. I mean, come on. Captain Cookie's High Sea Adventure? Pretty dope. Uh, mm -hmm. anyways, a 17-year-old employee at Sesame Place, working at Sesame Place to earn some summer money before going back to high school, asked Troy and his girlfriend, hey, can you put on a mask? It's a park policy. And Troy responded by punching the 17-year-old right in the face, shattering his jaw. Jeez. He then punched another employee before he and his girlfriend walked out of the park. Uh, follow up on the 17-year-old Jake. He had to have a tooth removed and two surgeries on his jaw to reshape his jawbone. Um, U.S. Marshals were sent out to find Troy, and they eventually uh, tracked him down in the Bronx, 125 miles away, and arrested him on aggra aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. Hmm. So, there's so many things about this story, Jake, that I that that, that just interest me in so many ways. Uh, first off, the biggest question, I don't know if this came to your mind, uh, Troy is 39 years old. His girlfriend is 31. I heard nothing in this story about how they were with kids. Nope. This is an amusement park about Sesame Street. And from what I can tell, a 39-year-old and a 31-year-old were like, you know what the best place for us to be is? An amusement park for Sesame Street. Word. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. 
Like, that's I'd weird. I mean, I'd go too, but, you know, I'd probably refrain from punching a 17-year-old in the face. Uh, so second, true. this is a reminder to everyone listening out there that uh, this was not the 17-year-old's policy. Nope. Again, he's just trying not to get fired. He doesn't want Snuffleupagus to come up and tell him he's fired because he didn't enforce the mask policy, okay? Nope. Like, don't punch him in the face. It's not his policy. I mean, Ben, I'm going to use some 21 Jump Street uh, knowledge or um, here, but uh, wouldn't it be wrong for him to not punch him in the face because he's 17? <laughs> Uh, such a good movie. Yes! <laughs> Solid movie. Uh, the last thing about that, though, about the punching, I feel like this is another scenario where if Troy would have just given this dude a warning before shattering his jaw, he'd let him go. Yes! Like, I'm sure if that dude came up and was like, hey, Troy, you got to wear a mask, and he turned around and said, hey, uh, if you ask me to put a mask on, I'm going to break your jaw. Wait, what? I'm sure that dude would let it slide. I know I would. If he's like, hey, I'm going to break your jaw, I'd be like, all right, enjoy your day. Go around yes. without a mask. Go tickle Elmo with your tongue Ew. for all I care. Just don't punch me in the face. I'm fine with that. Like, you know, I mean, just saying, if you're willing to escalate it that high, just let the other person know that's how far you're willing to go. And they'll they'll let you go on your way. They'll they'll let you go do whatever crazy things you're gonna do if that's your case, you know? It's all it's all I'm saying. Okay. This is a this is a real quick story, Jake. Um Good news. The honey bun thieves have been caught. Word. Have you, All right, have, you're gonna have you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to update me again. Okay, well the the honey bun thieves apparently there's been a couple that have robbed three convenience stores in Arkansas, and in all cases it went down the same way. The guy would come into the store, he would go up to the counter and purchase a honey bun, hmm. and then when the attendant would open the register. He would just jump over the counter and take all the money in the register. Jeez. Now, there's okay. there's there's two things I'm really curious about in this situation, Jake. Uh, I I don't know if this guy really liked honey buns that much, like, or if he thought that was just a genius way of starting off the robbery. Like, why not a honey bun one time and then, like, a fun the Funyuns next time and then a Mountain Dew the last time? Yes! Like, all convenience store classics. Like, keep the store owners on their toes. Because so if you come true. in getting honey buns, they're automatically going to... Word's going to get around. They're going to be like, this, these are the honey bun people. We already know, you know? And then, I'm sort of wondering if the first time he did it, if he had already planned it or if that was just like his idea like if he really liked honey buns that much and then while he was paying for it he just saw all the money in the register and be like you know what hmm. i could rob these people yes i think i could do that right now if it was just like a spur of the moment thing and then he was like you know what we're just gonna do this every single time like this 
Regardless, Jake, they've been caught. So, honey mm-hmm. bun people, no more. Oh. Dunzo. Just to I let you I wonder how they caught them. Uh, well, they they uh they reported it. Uh, they got the, oh. the what their their uh what their car looked like, and then the cops uh, found the car near the convenience store they robbed, and they followed the car to the house and arrested them. So true. So, it wasn't too uh, hard. Um, plus you know they I didn't they, were gonna... they didn't wear mask or anything, so it it wasn't thought... too hard to find them. Yeah, I figured that they would set up some sort of sting operation with some honey buns. <laughs> just that's what set, I was going for. Set, set up a fake convenience store with just all honey buns in it. Sweet. We knew they'd go for it. Ugh, couldn't resist the honey bun store. Okay, time for the second birthday suit, Jake. Uh, slightly less of a chance that you're going to get this one, but I'm pretty positive you're still going to get it. So ninety nine percent. Okay. Our birthday suit wearer was born in Charlotte, North Carolina on August 23rd, 1990. His father played for the Charlotte Hornets at the time he was born. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer and his older brother would go to almost all of his games. And every time they'd go to the games, they'd actually practice with the team, warming up. In high school, our birthday suit wear his senior year averaged 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. Jeez. He initially went to Liberty University his freshman year, but after his freshman year, he transferred to Duke. His sophomore year, he was named starter after Kyrie Irving hurt his toe. In 2013, he, was decla- he declared for the NBA draft but went undrafted. But he was acquired by the Santa Cruz Warriors in the D-League. In the D-League, he was a two-time All-Star. From 2014 to 2016, he had many 10-day contracts in the NBA, but they weren't renewed. He eventually signed a contract with the Dallas Mavericks on November 15, 2016, and that stuck. In 2018, he signed a two-year deal with the Trailblazers, but in 2019, he was traded back to the Mavericks. Right before the pandemic shut down, he had his uh, career high, 37 points of 13 from 15 from the field. That's right. He's currently in the playoffs against the L.A. Clippers. His older brother is Stephen Curry, and his dad is Dell Curry. Name that birthday suit where? Hmm. Seth Curry. Seth Curry is correct. Yes, indeed. Woo! Woo! I'll, I'll be I'll be straight up honest with you. I had no idea until you said the last. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah. Seth is a little less known than Stephen. That's a fact. Uh, a little less known than old Steph Curry. Seth and Steph. You know. Uh, and I'll say this, and this may just be me. Uh, and no offense to Seth, I know it's his birthday. I don't want to offend him on his birthday, but his brother looks uh, younger than he does, even though his brother's yeah. the older brother. That's true. Steph, Seth's just got an old face, and Steph's got a baby face. So true. Like I feel like Seth looks more like his dad than Steph does. Hmm. That could just be me. Could just yeah. be me. But it, I, I think he's got the- a little bit of his mom, a little bit more of his mom than his dad in his looks it's the nose yeah mainly mainly the nose that's true that's true also 
I, I like how Seth brought the uh, headband back. Good for you, Seth. You keep that headband mm. going. It's it's sort it's of like fresh. cornrows, you know? You bring it back, you're like, hey, you guys haven't seen this in a while. Boom. Which, by the way, did you see that? Steph got huh. cornrows just like last week. He went and went and got his got his hair done cornrow style. And I was like, what? Very, very nice touch. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was like, way to switch it up, Steph. Get crazy, man. Get crazy. Anyways, happy birthday. Oh, it's Steph, it, it's uh, Seth's uh, 30th. Turn to the big 3-0, man. Turn oh, to the big 3-0. Crazy. Crazy. Live it up, Seth. Uh, good luck in the in the, in the the playoffs. Good luck. Uh, Jake, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Zade Wolf right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super lucky to have producer, beat maker, musician, artist, Dustin Burnett, better known as Zaid Wolf. Dustin slash Zaid, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good, actually. Yeah, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I've, I've got to ask, because, you know, when I, was, when I was thinking of how to introduce you, I was like, how do I introduce him? Does he go by Zaid? Does he go by Dust? Like, have you had any, like, Tyler Durden moments of Fight Club where all of a sudden you're like, who am I? It's kind of funny. Um, I had a conversation about this um, two nights ago, actually. And um, I think the best way that I can put it is, um, you know, I I am Zaid Wolf, but Zaid Wolf is not me. Okay. It's in some some ways it's... um, it's definitely a musical alias that allows me to kind of work in a playground that maybe I wouldn't mm-hmm. um, in certain circumstances mm-hmm. and allows me to sort of express myself as sort of like an anti-hero or whatever it might be um, it, it, through the music. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. It's cool. And well, it's- I don't know. Yeah, maybe... Maybe I'm more popular as, as that alias than I am uh, as my own self. And it doesn't really, it, none of that really bothers me. I don't, I don't really care one way or the other if someone recognizes me with the hat on or, yeah. or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It sounds like it hasn't took over yet, you know. It hasn't took you completely over. You, you're still controlling Zade Wolf as Dustin. That's good. <laughs> yes! That's good. We're trying to, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the positives, because you're, you know, uh, you're, I, I don't know if you would take it as this, but you're sort of producer first, artist second. Like, I mean, that's what you've, you've sort of grown up on and cut your teeth as. And it mm. seems sort of beneficial as as such uh, in this time of, of, of a pandemic, because as far as music creation, it doesn't seem like you've had to slow down too much. I mean, you got a new single coming out here in just literally a couple of days. You released Run This mm-hmm. Town earlier, and you just got a new studio space. So 
how's how's yeah. work been in general since the pandemic's hit? You know, I do miss collaborating with some other people that I make music with often, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just we're just kind of now starting to to turn that lever back on yeah. a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think that especially once I got moved into the new studio and I wasn't thinking about that building process anymore, mm-hmm. man, I had I had a flood of new ideas. Like I I feel like I have a whole album pretty much I wouldn't say finished, but it's it's on the way there. There's nice. There's another ten songs or so that I'm sort of sorting through right now, trying to figure out um, you know, release schedule for that and you know will it be as an album or will it be just as a string of song releases um yeah so i i've i've felt good i love my new space yeah it took me a little while to get used to it um um yeah it looks but, real but nice it's feeling good now man thank you so much i'm so proud of it really i yeah. feel like i've worked so hard um to kind of be able to afford like kind of my dream place and, and yeah. i i gimped al- i gimped along for years on gear that was sort of broken and and just made it work you yeah. know to, to keep things uh inexpensive and cheap as far as the production that i could do and now I've, i bought some nice new things and it feels really good and it's inspiring to kind of be touching like a new guitar and and a system that's that's running really well and, sure. and all of that you know for sure yeah well, let's let's uh, let's let's take the listeners back to to how you got to that place now in that new uh, studio. Uh, you so you grew up yeah. uh, in in uh, Metropolis, Illinois, uh, which yeah, that's right. Which I gotta say, looks way different than in the comic books. Yeah. Man, you know, and, <laughs> Dude, real, yeah, real small town in in real life America. It's not really the uh, New York City type look that you see in the comic books, but nope. It uh, it seemed like you wanted to be in music from a, a pretty young age, and I heard you say that the piano was the the first instrument you started playing. Now, was that your idea, or was that your parents' idea that got you into piano at first? I don't think it was anybody's idea. It, <laughs> we when I was when I was even five and six years old, mm-hmm. um, I we had an old piano in the house and. I just kind of sat there and started teaching myself how to not really play anything, but it was making some type of music that, that sounded good to my ears at that yeah. time. And um, my my mom and dad asked me if there's any other instruments that I'd like to play. And um, I said, well, I'd love to learn to, to do guitar. And so we ended up selling that piano so that my mom and dad could afford to kind of to get me a guitar and a little amplifier. Yeah. And we kind of did that for a while where, um, you know, I'd mow some yards and we'd put some money together and put a guitar on layaway somewhere, mm-hmm. which is kind of an unheard of thing now. But, you know, <laughs> back in the like late 80s, early 90s, you know, that was something you did. So you, you put... You, you put an instrument on, now, on layaway. Now you get the payments get from musician friend or Sweetwater. You're just like, 15 <laughs> exactly. payments, here we go. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't think we even had the credit for anything like that back then. Anyway. Yeah. Like it, was, it was pretty tight, but we had music. Um, my mom and dad had the, one of the, the nicest thing we had in the house probably was um, 
the uh, turntable, CD player, mm-hmm. uh, stereo system that, that we had. And we just had music on all the time. We did that, played basketball more than we did, um, you know, watch a lot of of uh, television, really. But so. it, it seemed like, you know, looking in from the outside where I'm at there, it seems like from all the, the stories that I've heard you mention like your parents were were super supportive as far as music goes. I mean, you know, they they were like you said, uh, putting instruments on layaway, giving you and your brothers rehearsal space, playing music all the yeah. time. Um, yeah. W- was it was it that supportive? Uh, looking back on it, or is it? Uh, <laughs> am I am I seeing too much support? No, I th- I th- I think so. Like you know, my mom is you know still you know one of my biggest fans you know as far as you know all how all that is yeah concerned and and yeah they did i think they also like they liked it that we were doing that and making music and we weren't out you know getting into trouble as as teenagers you know we had the our our friends would come over to our house and my parents turned um you know over a course of a summer we turned a, a the two-car garage into basically just like a big hangout where we kept all of our rehearsal instruments in and and yeah we sometimes on the weekend we have some friends over we play a few songs and then we um play basketball or whatever and nice. we just that that was how we grew up very nice i, I like i i heard you know you talking about you and your brothers playing uh, and I like how you stuck the middle brother with the bass. Girl, come on! Like he just <laughs> <laughs> younger brother wants to play drums. You want guitar? Hey, middle bro, you got bass. Sorry, that's that's all we got yeah. left. <laughs> Dylan was that's my middle brother's name. Dylan. He was he, he was interested yeah. in it, but he um, we were kind. Of, it was more like, hey, we really need we really need a third. <laughs> Can we? Will you try this out? And uh, yeah, then once we once we got into it, and, and it's as soon as you first, even if it's not good, but as soon as you first lock in with a band, yeah, and, and a song actually comes together, like it changes your outlook on the whole thing. It's really a surreal thing when when that first comes together, and it's like, oh, we're actually all playing a song. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing for sure, <laughs> for sure. What? From what I can tell, uh, I've heard you talk about it a couple times. It seemed like Nirvana, never mind, was was a, a, mm. a big deal for you. And I mean, I guess that came out right around the start of your high school time, somewhere mm-hmm. around that time. Did that play a, mm-hmm. a pretty big role for you as far as music goes? Yeah, that was a that album and the Pearl Jam Ten album were ones that I pretty much I basically learned top to bottom on guitar and nice. were the ones that were like, yeah, I wanna I wanna play music. I have to figure out a way to play music for for a living. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that those two things definitely coupled together. I, I love that. I still love that album. I got put it on um, last week for a bit, and, yeah. and you know, listened six songs deep in it before I um, switched it out. It, well, it was one that I I had a five disc CD changer, and those two like they didn't leave <laughs> the, the changer for years. Two thousand ten, you know? they were in there till like twenty years. <laughs> yeah. I can understand, man, for sure. Well, and, How about and, you? you? You like that, too? Oh, I love it. I love Nirvana. Yeah. I mean, the thing the thing that amazes me about Nirvana Nevermind is is it's got such polished uh, production. Mm-hmm. 
that like you yeah. know people don't associate with grunge. Nope. You know they they think mm-hmm. you're gonna hear this gritty, just raw, and that's not what it, what it was at least for Nirvana, and uh, not really for Pearl Jam either. I mean you know Brennan O'Brien was. I mean, great producer, still yeah. is amazing producer. So I like it's uh, and and Pearl Jam ten like I they it, like it just to me it seems like I don't know the magic hit with that album and then it never really hit again. Like I don't like I don't like to be that person like that says Pearl Jam that was the only album that they made that was good because they have other great songs. Daughter's good and and like some on on the verses of Vitology, but like. Ten mm-hmm. was just like everything on it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, once I and even flow and led better and just like, I mean, it was it was way above their other stuff. And yeah, those two for sure. Uh, just oh man, such such good such good songs of the '90s for sure. Um, for sure, yeah. How, how long did you play with your brothers? Like, did you guys actually, you know, start playing gigs and going around town, or was it always just sort of a in-house thing? Yeah, we did. Um, for about two and a half years, we played um, everything from like, kind of like like youth group uh, type things, or like uh, uh, like like town like you know like a city like a city would put on like a where there's a parade and Mm -hmm. they we would come in and we would play play songs with those types of things and basically a lot of kind of all ages and public event types of things and some uh some church things and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. we did Mm -hmm. yeah and well heck one year we played like i think if i remember correctly it was like 65 shows like it was like we played we were out every weekend yeah yeah. My youngest brother was still um actually yeah my my youngest brother the drummer he was still in high school at that point and I I was um 18. Yeah. And yeah we we had to <laughs> we would pull him out of school on Fridays just to so nice. the gig. <laughs> nice dedication. <laughs> Now, now, did you go straight from uh, playing with your brothers to in the October's, or was there anything in between there? Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the case. We after we after we sort of dissolved that, um, I started traveling from Illinois down to Nashville, mm-hmm. and I was I was working with some producers and writers down here, and I think that's when I I feel like I started to learn more about the the art of songwriting and yeah. the craft of that and production and getting to work in studios and things like that. And the first October album that, that I did, I, I pretty much did it in the same way that I did on um, the Zade Wolf album where I just recorded everything. I just recorded all the ideas that I had, yeah. sang it all, produced it all. And, you know, you, you put yourself in those situations and it's like, wow, there's a, I have a lot to learn. You keep <laughs> trying things and trying things and trying things. Yeah. And, you know, all of that, um, the October and and learning how to make those albums um, was really school for me, yeah. I think. Um, I went a couple of years to a, a junior college, but I really wanted to play music. And yeah. I think forcing myself to get out there and, and put it out there and learn to record and learn to write songs, um, learn to sing, learn to play some instruments and, and spend a time on it was really my school mm-hmm. um you know post post high school 
Well, well, so yeah, we did. Yeah, go ahead. Well, from what I can tell you, you you essentially had like three teachers really that helped you with that. Like mm-hmm. I, I've heard you talk about Bruce Chandler, and I've heard you talk mm-hmm. about Tim yeah. Lauer, and I've heard you talk That's about right, John yeah. King. So like, what yeah. what did those three guys teach you about you know producing and production and and recording? Yeah. So Bruce was the first um, person that we, I ever worked with. I think I was like seventeen, mm-hmm. and um, Bruce was like. He was like the guy that um, showed me what was behind the curtain for the first time in the musical world nice. as far as like recording, like how it worked. Now, and, was that still mostly um, on uh, on tape when you were learning from Bruce? Yeah, we did. Um, we did some of it on on tape. We did some of it on on the ADAT machine. Mm, so, so that's kind of one of like the first. Um, yeah. So we, we did. We worked on those guys and, you know, they. He, they had a small studio where we worked, and that was in in Kentucky, right across the river from from where we were living in yeah. um, in, in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she so did that. Um, Tim Lauer was um, he was the, the first guy that um, really took a chance on me to to write songs with me when I was coming down to Nashville. Nice, amazing guy. He just taught me so much about songwriting craft and put me was able to be in the room with other amazing writers at the mm-hmm. time and and then um my my buddy John King is still just a, a dear friend to me where yeah. um he John was a guy who when I was was kind of getting after Tim Lauer and I started working on the October stuff mm-hmm. John had a studio that he let me use mm-hmm. um in Kentucky and so I used the studio and then I also cut he was in a band as well so I helped him cut his album he really liked what I was doing on mine so yeah asked me if I could help him and then John moved to Phoenix and then and then after that to, to Nashville mm-hmm. and when he moved to Nashville he asked me if I wanted to come down and and you know help him in the studio and we kind of like well let's be a production duo yeah at that point yeah. So John spent some time. He built an, an amazing studio here in Nashville, and we worked together there on some projects. But quickly realized, as um, sort of independent, independent producers working with independent bands, there, there really wasn't the budget to pay two guys <laughs> and a studio note. Yeah. So, um, you know, staying friends, we, you know, I kind of bowed out to try to figure out my own path separate from John and allow him to be able to try to um, continue to flourish, um, you know, in his own space over there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, so when you moved to Nashville, so that was, that was around like 2008 and you said, you know, you went down there with the mm-hmm. idea of going in with, with uh, John uh, in in producing, mm-hmm. did you have any intention by that time as being an artist again, or was it all production at that time? Like you were like, okay, or was it just like, let's do something in music? I don't care what it is. Two thousand seven um, was really the final year for the October. Yeah, and along that along that path of sort of um, producing. Um, those records for our band other bands started asking me to help them with their production yeah so um yeah in 2008 when i moved here and that was that's part of the story of of john and myself as well 
but yeah, and moving here, I, I'd given up the artist thing completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, had no more intentions of that. I didn't want, just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Well, you, so when you got to Nashville, I heard you were, you know, at the same time, you, you had a, you had a five to nine job in the morning. You were, you were stocking, <laughs> stocking shelves. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's hustling right there. That's Mamba mentality going. Yeah. Uh, did, <laughs> yeah. did, I mean, in any of those yeah. times while you were doing that, were you like, ah, man, what, what the F am I doing here? This, this probably isn't going to work. Like, did you, did you question the music thing sometimes when, uh, at those, those first few years in Nashville? Um, not, not once I went to Nashville, even though that was the hardest point of trying to make music. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated going in for that early morning stock shift <laughs> job, but it made me two hundred dollars a week that I didn't have, and I was I was willing to put put that time in, and, yeah, you know, then for my for my family, and so fine, you you get in there and you do the work that needs to be done in order to to you know take the next step, do what you I really think the want. only point. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only point that I really questioned music was right before we moved to Nashville, um, a, a family friend worked at a, a plant um, in uh, like a manufacturing plant mm-hmm. in Kentucky. And uh, my wife's dad also worked at one of those plants. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they basically set up a, an opportunity for me to have a job there and and get in there and make you know 20 bucks an hour doing um doing everything that they did and um i highly considered it um, at that point thank god you didn't do it thank (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't know that it wasn't necessarily like i was such on the verge and i felt like you know what i could work these swing shifts and then maybe i could make music two days a week yeah you know when it when i'm not on a swing shift and i thought maybe that's a Maybe that's a good plan for this point in my life, and and that's yeah. where we are. Yeah. But that fam that family friend of ours, uh, Richard, um, he called me up one night, and he was like, "Hey, man," he's like, "I really feel like if you guys are considering moving to Nashville, you should move to Nashville and try." Nice. And if if you if it doesn't work out, man, we can we can get you a job back up here. Nice. But he's like, I feel like you need to go try. Yeah. And, um, that's good support. That was, that, that was a good tip. That's a big tipping point, you know? And, and yeah, so I, I owe a lot to that conversation right there. Yeah. That, that short one I had with Richard and he's Richard's passed away. Now I got to talk to him before, it, before he died. And, mm-hmm. and we had a conversation about that and, and, you know, got to thank him again yeah. in person for, for those words. But yeah, I think after that, I was like, look, we're just, we just have to go all in. Like, got to give it that um, big shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, we had to try, we had to at least get in there and try all of it. And it didn't matter if it was stock shifts or living in a really small apartment or any of those things. Yeah. That didn't matter. Like we were going to figure out away yeah for sure well before we get to the success of of the nashville story i gotta take a detour real quick and yeah nashville obviously great musical town and we've had tons of great musical guests from from nash vegas but one thing i love to ask all my guests is if i'm coming to your hometown 
where should I eat? What? Now, Nashville, <laughs> I've got a big old list. I literally have like, yeah. I don't know, 12 or 13 uh, restaurants from the guest before. So if I ask yeah. you, where should I eat when I come to Nashville, what's your go-to restaurant? Right off the top of my head, it's uh, Cork and Cow in Franklin. Man, I didn't think I, you could give me one that I haven't got yet, but you did. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. It's a, yeah, it's a small restaurant. Um mainly like mainly like a steak and and fish place but mm -hmm. it's a real little place um the food's amazing and consistent every time nice the the service is awesome there um and the guys that they have and, and gals making cocktails are just some of the best they've they've got a few award-winning nice. cocktails on their list that are just delicious so Man. yeah that's that was a frequent before coronavirus, you know, <laughs> it for me. Like it we, took it off, huh? Are they they they're not doing yeah. takeout for it? Or uh, you can't really do it takeout. It's yeah, like, it's not the same. That you just want that steak when it comes right off. I got gotcha. that burger when yeah. it comes right off. You yeah. know what I mean? It just, mm -hmm. By the time I got it back to my house, I just don't think I would be as satisfied with that. Not the same. I know. So. Well, <laughs> hopefully, cork and cow visits will be. Frequent soon. Frequent. Yeah, I'm ho I'm hoping to get back over there soon. For sure. Well, okay. Okay, good. I've got my all important restaurant suggestion. I can get back to music now. I can't I can't Love promise it. I may derail again. But um All good. We uh uh before we get to the creation of Zade Wolf, let's talk about the creation of that sound. So Okay, cool, yeah. So that was a company that you uh you co own with another producer, Paul Mayberry. Uh, who? Yeah, Maybury. Uh, Maybury. Um, who's a mm -hmm. uh, great drummer, and it's it's yeah, it's sick. a pretty awesome venture. Basically, it's for for music creators of any sort that want to purchase your loops, your beats, the kind of sound that they want for their songs, so they don't have to go through trying to you know break their mind trying to create it on their own you can just go in and get those samples and use them yourselves how did you and paul mm -hmm. come up with that that idea uh over a couple glasses of whiskey pretty much <laughs> that's you know that's how a lot of good ideas come about i hired i hired paul to play drums on something that i was producing mm -hmm. and after i was after he was finished playing the kit, I was like, "Hey, hit, hit, you know, hit hit the drums, dude. Let me let me get some let me get some samples of of yeah. all the drums on the kit." Mm -hmm. And I did that, and then a couple weeks later, I sent them. I sent those samples, kind of organized in a folder, to him on his computer. Mm -hmm. And he and he hit me up. He's like, "Dude, these are great. Like, I'm just I'm using these on all my songs now. Like, <laughs> he's great. I don't even have to get I don't even have to get that kick drum out anymore. Like, yeah, it's perfect." And then we started talking about that type of thing. Like, mm -hmm. what would it be like if we, you know, started our own company? How do we even do that? And, mm -hmm. man, we, we kind of played jazz for our first couple of 18 months on trying to figure it out and how to build a business and yeah. all of those things. But there was a point where we released this one library called Organic. Mm -hmm. And it was we recorded it in this building that was kind of like a warehouse type shape and it and it really made some really neat drum sounds mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we went from 
you know, selling maybe a few thousand dollars worth of these samples every month to like, we had like a 30 or $40,000 sales month. And we were like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> and then it just, it just jumped up from there, you know? Yeah. And so it became a really special thing. And then from there we were able to, um, because of that success, we were able to bring on some additional, uh, drummers and producers to make content with us, some mm -hmm. other cool, some other really cool guys. And, and it, just kind of kept growing, kept growing, kept growing until um, Paul and I's musical career was also really starting to take off. Mm -hmm. Jade Wolf was happening at that point. And Paul's career as a music producer had, had a couple of really great songs that have done well for him. And mm -hmm. so he was in high demand and we couldn't really, it was, it was hard for us to kind of maintain the company. Yeah. And um, that's when we started talking to Splice, which mm -hmm. we ultimately uh, partnered with. Yeah. Um, on that, yeah. Very so, nice, very nice. Sorry, I, I don't know if that was like a that was probably like a super abbreviated like <laughs> four years, right? Say five years, but, but you know, I, uh, I I think it's just so it it's I mean it's it's one of those things that's really cool because you can just make such an amalgamation of sounds just with the libraries that you guys have, and like yeah. I mean you know for people that even aren't you know that good on musical theory they can still just get mm -hmm. going on 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 those on those sounds and i gotta say i, I went through all of them and the the 1985 oh, cool. and the hanger yeah those two yeah like the hanger sounds like it, it made me immediately think of the holy grail of drum recording bonham on when the <laughs> levee breaks you know, except yeah, on steroids, right. just how huge yeah. that hanger is, and when those those that reverberation comes in, it's just so so good. And then 1985, you got so many good 80 sounds in that. It just uh, yeah, it's just both of those are are really great. And I mean, to use those and to to have it available really simplifies things for a lot of music creators out there. Makes it a lot easier for them. So. It's a uh, that's cool. That's the, that's the same feedback we get from 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 everybody who's, yeah. who's downloading it and using it. And for sure, um, I think I love that these tools exist now for um, people starting to make music or professionals. Yeah, that it just that didn't really exist at the time. Um, you know, when I was starting out. Now you use those components. You use that sound components in Zade Wolf, right? Those are things that you'll you'll throw into your songs. Yeah, I. It's kind of funny. I when right before Zade Wolf was possible was popular or anything. I I had this sort of like very rugged stomp clap type library that I was making for, um, for yeah. that sound. It's called Mammoth, mm -hmm. and it's crazy now because like any of the artists that are like in the same genre mm -hmm. as Zade Wolf, like it's all of their go-to. <laughs> it's sort of weird that I handed it, not on purpose, handed everyone the, my yeah. secret box of tricks before <laughs> I actually knew it was a secret box of tricks. Yeah. You know, so like you listen to, you know, Imagine Dragons or the score mm -hmm. or any of that. Like those sounds are all over those yeah. those albums, you know, and um, which is cool. I'm I'm I was about I'm, I'm I'm pumped that those guys are inspired by something that that I do that doesn't 
that they don't even know. You I was know about I mean? to like, say it's it's got to be it's got to be cool and a little irritating at the same time. <laughs> like it's got I mean I it it's got to be like oh yeah I made that sound yeah I'm not I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not really getting credit for it. I can I can it's see the fine. rub there. Yeah, but you know you can't I I don't I never want to go through my life trying to figure out whether or not I deserve credit for something or or not. Yeah. you know it's like look we we. You create something great, and hopefully people are inspired by that, no matter what that means. It doesn't mean that there were plenty of pioneers before you or I who mm-hmm. who go under the radar, but maybe inspired a tremendous amount of music or yeah. TV or radio culture or whatever it is. And it's awesome to be just a part of that sort of zeitgeist of, of momentum, you know, sure. rather than trying to make sure that you are taking every piece of credit and putting it in your, you know, yeah. pocket or as a badge on your on your jacket or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, your your creation uh, you know, your your creation goes under the title of Zade Wolf now and you've been doing that for uh about 5 years and uh Yeah. You know, yeah. from what I can tell it doesn't really seem like you meant to create him. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, so you made the music, you wanted other folks to sing on this music that you were making, you didn't really find what you wanted, your wife told you, just finish it yourself, you did, and you submitted <laughs> it to the licensing company under Zade Wolf, and it seems like to yeah. me the only reason you submitted it was basically you wanted to be like sort of undercover boss and you wanted to get Jessica Cole who worked at the licensing place her honest opinion. Yeah. Like you wanted to know what she really thought of it so you couldn't submit it under your name. Was that was that really the only reason that you decided to go under a an alias? Yeah, that 100% at first um, because you know once you, once you start uh, Jessica had already um, pitched a few projects that I had um that I had, I had worked on as a producer. So she, she knew me. We didn't know each other that well, but mm-hmm. she knew me. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted raw feedback. And mm-hmm. I knew that from the feedback that I'd got from Jess before, that as she would give it um, under that way. And she may have given it anyway if I would have told her it was just me. Yeah. But I didn't. I just sent it to her. I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. She was like, I think the first thing she said was, hey, I have a brief that I could pitch this to this afternoon. Do you mind if I send it along? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, sure. And <laughs> That was quick. Wow. All right. Yeah, she hit me back maybe a week later, a week or two later there. And it was like a, like a campaign for a new Fox show. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, they're, they're going to they're gonna take it. They're going to run it for multiple weeks. I could go back and look, but if I remember correctly, it was about twenty five grand. Yeah. That this promo made, and I yeah. was like, "Wow, are you serious?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were... At that time, you know, we were we, we were still we weren't fighting to make ends meet because we had some things going on for with that sound was going. Yeah. Um, there, and but I that was, was doing some mixing for people, but it was still you know it was still month to month, every couple of months, but for sure, you know this. This was cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, I told, I, I went in and I told, uh, I told my wife and she was like, go back out there and make <laughs> some more of those songs, you know, get back out in the studio. 
Do and, that um, again. Whatever that was, try it again. Uh, yeah, it, Jess's reaction was kind of the same thing, too. She's like, so who's Zade Wolf? And I was like, well, it's me. And she's like, get back in the studio. <laughs> I heard, so the styling of, of some of your songs, uh, you got, and, and you're, 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 when you listen to a Zade Wolf song, most of them do have this sort of big movement, thematic, emotional feel to them. They're a big drive, and I heard mm. a lot of the inspiration would be like watching highlight reels of all-time greats, like watching a Michael Jordan best of, and, you know, sort of that music <laughs> that goes with it. And uh, mm -hmm. since where that was some of the inspiration that came with it, how wild is it to see? I mean, your music's been with the Olympics, with UFC, Chicago Cubs, yeah. NFL, and like on and on and on, all these different sports. How surreal is it seeing, you know, music that you made on all of those sports and obviously you growing up being a sports fan mm -hmm. well it's special every time still um it, it looks like we have something really special already locked in for the new single nice and um it's yeah it's i used to i remember i had the uh, michael jordan come fly with me yeah. uh, video mm -hmm. and i remember watching that and and you'd watching that and watching inside stuff on Saturday mornings yes. and, and I would think about the music that went along with that mm -hmm. and how that that impacted me and I don't even know at, even at that young age how that was influencing me mm -hmm. and I would write you know I still write from like a thematic standpoint like that mm -hmm. again like sort of the anti-hero or the overcomer or whatever it might be that mm -hmm. Most all sports stars have that gear in them as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily intentionally trying to write everything for a sports yeah. moment. Um, I just feel like that's just one of the things that, I, that I've learned to do and, and that I really enjoy doing. And I like making that kind of music. Yeah. You know, it's not ever going to get on the radio. It just doesn't fit that format. But, um, you know, if, if you've got you know, the Chicago Cubs or, you know, a big sports team being inspired by the song that makes them play well yeah. or whatever. Like, that's, to me, that's, like, bigger than the radio. Yeah, So for sure. That's, that's how I feel. That's kind of how I feel about that whole thing. For sure. Well, you now, like you said, and, and looking over your social media, I've seen basketball carry over a lot. You've been to a lot of games you, you're talking yeah. about playing playing as a kid. Have you been following the bubble action? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I stayed up. I stayed up late last night to to um, finish the Lakers and yeah. Blazers game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who do you, who do you have in the Same. finals? <laughs> who who are you going saying in the finals? Dude, it's a it's a total toss up. Any uh, there's it's probably, true. There's probably any six te any six teams could could be there, and there could be still some surprises. It's it? it's the most in in my opinion, it's the most open it's been since like right before the Bad Boys of Detroit. Yeah, like I mean, basically, because I mean, you look at all those times. You had the dominant Celtics. You had the dominant Pistons. You had the dominant Bulls for eight years, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you had the dominant Lakers, and like, and now it's just, it's it's open. Like you said, there's so many. I'm I'm going those Celtics Clippers. That's my 
that's my my finals. Uh, oh pick. wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. That could be cool. I that think so. Cool. I I uh, I mean, both of those teams, like to me, they're the most team teams. They're the deepest. Yeah. They play the most together. They have all stars on them that are super clutch because Kawhi and and uh, and Kimba mm-hmm. are both super clutch mm-hmm. guys. So I just yeah. think, I mean, you know, the Lakers are are crazy good with with LeBron and and AD, but like everybody else on that team's just so who knows. Yes! With the, the other um, big thing with this this year that's really crazy to me, that's a huge huge deal, is that takeaway of home. A home court advantage like that's crazy yeah. wow like, it's just like you because you don't know because like i mean you know those players and everybody that watches basketball knows those players that will shut down because of a rowdy away crowd mm-hmm. and they just won't play well that's not there anymore it's like they're playing in a basketball no. camp so like it's it's <laughs> it's completely different so cool so cool. Well, b- before I get completely yeah. derailed on NBA, uh, <laughs> I love it, man. We can talk about that all you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hey, uh, speaking of, I saw I saw a couple of your clips on y- Instagram. Where yeah, y'all got the Jordans out. Yes, <laughs> yes, we have Jordan shoe and tell everyone that is a avid listener of this show, which is probably about seven people. Let's be honest, but uh, everybody that's an avid listener knows in my book. Jordan is the GOAT. Jordan is yeah. the greatest of all time, and yeah, he is yeah. he is all that I follow as far as shoe wear. I mean, I'll throw out a, a yeah. different shoe every now and then, but it's just they're works of art, man. They're just works of yeah. art. They're amazing. It's uh, I every uh, it, it never fails for me to watch a clip of Jordan and still be impressed. It's just the time that you grow up, I guess. You know, that's yeah, yeah may- maybe so. I I love. I love all the Jordan stuff, and yeah, he is my—he is definitely my favorite. Yeah, but I think there's there's so much to love about all the different playing styles, and how someone like at LeBron's size is continues to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, year after year, seventeen it's years, really special as well. That's all of that stuff well, is really cool, and that's what's so awesome about basketball. And I I think that's that's more of LeBron's goat specialty. His ability to stay relevant for that long, like I mean, Jordan's career obviously wasn't as long as his, anywhere close to that. Just seventeen right. years straight of doing it, but like I think the brilliance of Jordan went higher than what LeBron can do. Like, but LeBron has been consistent for pretty much that whole career of just you know mm-hmm. triple doubles and and forty point games and. 15 mm-hmm. assists and everything else. So, anyways, anyways, the other thing that I wanted to get to on the music side of things was you picked out one of my favorite songs too. And I've seen you talk about it. You you were you you put this out last year uh and it's it's from the 80s, Mr. Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Yeah. And you definitely had to use some of those 1985 sound effects on that on that song. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. what what made you want to cover that song? Uh, it's just a song that I love, you know, and I and I was kind of messing around with it on piano one night, kind of playing it, like and kind of doing it a, in a, a little bit more of a darker sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I know be. I know the song's been covered a bunch, but I just started messing around with it. Um, 
and finished it mm-hmm. and sometimes you just finish and it i didn't know necessarily whether or not i was going to release it mm-hmm. i kind of finished it and sent it around within the camp or you know over to um pr team and to jessica and and just kind of the, get some opinions inner circle and everyone was like this is great you should we, sh- we should put this on the list of ones to release and so we we went ahead and went with that i think that it was you know, it's kind of averagely received, mm-hmm. I think, from the fans, probably. But it, you know, it, for me, it was kind of about doing a cover that I hadn't really done a cover in a while. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really cool, special song. You for know? sure. That, uh, ultimately, it kind of reminds me of my wife. So I, there's this, and I don't really have a lot of sentimental type songs, so... Um, <laughs> I, well, I think I think everybody gets some kind of vibe from that song. Like you have to be yeah. sort of taken back with that song somehow. Yeah. Like because it's just so yeah. so uh, visual and just I mean, and you you changed a lot. Like I like how you changed a lot of the sounds to fit your own sort of styling, but they were still there yeah. in a sense, you know. So. It was it was good. How how did you decide on the Green Day instead of Deadhead on the uh, on the car? Because because I mean I feel like that's one of those things with that song is like whenever a person redoes it, they have to think of who they want as far as that that artist on the uh, the bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, because when the Ataris did it, they changed it to Black, Black Flag. Flag. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think just like I didn't want to do it the way that that um, the Atari's did it because I freaking love that version too. Mm-hmm. I think that version's awesome. Oh yeah, and I uh, I really didn't use the guitar hardly at all in the whole song. Yeah, um, I wanted to sort of create more of like a cinematic sort of mm-hmm. um, take on the song to where it felt a little bit more like um, I felt more like kind of current movie than it did like a radio hit you know what i mean mm-hmm. like just sort of like a dark movie series type song than um then like a paul yeah the polished uh version of like don's and stuff yeah. like that. yeah well don's a yeah. don's a polished guy all the way around like pretty much everything Dude. as uh as they said in the eagles documentary he's the golden voice so you know it's yeah. uh it's. I mean, that's that's to me. That's like that's what I would have been most afraid of doing. That song is just like Jesus. And I mean, that was the thing. You nailed you nailed those voice parts in your own way. Again, it wasn't it wasn't trying to be Don Henley. Uh, and so yeah. I think I think it came out really well like that. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. So the newest song, newest song is coming out really soon, August twenty eighth. Brand new thing. What what yeah. what information can you tell us about this song? Well, I think it's it's kind of an interesting new song. I'm doing some something really different in the verses where mm-hmm. like I'm 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 doing a much more of a hip hop thing. I'm not really singing mm. in the verses and that probably is part of what steered the song to be called that. Yeah. Um I had a couple of different choruses that I was trying to write, but I had these verses already there that I loved. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I don't know that I loved them at first. I was like, <laughs> I sent it to a few people. I was like, is this cool? I don't know. If this, <laughs> this, I think it may be cool. Yeah. Um, you know, do I re do I try to reinvent myself on these new songs? Do I keep doing what people love? And I was yeah. just really sort of inspired in this moment to try 
something that was a little bit of a grittier sort of hip hop type mm -hmm. um, vocal part in the verses. So yeah, it's gonna it you know brand new thing. It's actually gonna so it's feel a brand quite a bit new different. Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's gonna feel quite a bit different, and and so we're just we're putting it out there, and you know just. Now, you know, do you have you just a, gotta go from your heart and your gut on on a song? Yeah. Do do you have like are there a lot of other songs like this, or is this the the only one that you've done so far like this sort of styling? I've done a couple of little sort of hip hoppy, rappy type things in a in a few um, in a few songs, but mm -hmm. I never want that to be like I'm. I, I don't want it to feel like I'm trying too hard to try to do something that may or may not be comfortable yeah you know i'm always trying to gauge that like do i how do i approach this part you know yeah. now you said you said you had a whole bunch of songs uh sort of lined up through through working during mm -hmm. the, the pandemic what what's the mm -hmm. idea have you got any real solidified idea of how you want to release those uh after you release brand new thing yeah we've got i'd like to release um well, originally my goal for this year, I wanted to release an EP, mm -hmm. um, but the pandemic really, the, the pandemic and um, so much of the social justice um, yeah. messages that have emerged, mm -hmm. um, I think really changed the direction on some of that stuff for me in the ways that I had some songs that I really wanted to release that I just didn't feel like were really sensitive for Mm -hmm. They weren't really sensitive to what was going on. Yeah. So we've kind of, I've kind of pulled those back, and where I was planning on releasing an EP, that sort of got scratched. And so I'm, mm. I'm looking at a, I'm a few of these songs now that I would like to release this year. Nice. Um, instead, and then we'll kind of see how things feel for maybe like first quarter or second quarter next year. I'm actually. Yeah you know maybe putting it together as an album nice uh, some of the songs have been released and some new ones and then we've also been doing these reimagined versions of mm -hmm. some of the um older yeah. songs yeah and uh, we've got um my buddy nick box has been helping co-produce on all these songs he's mm -hmm. like a good friend of mine i used to produce his band back in the day mm -hmm. and we've stayed really good friends and worked on music together and we started working on these nick nick is much more um sophisticated musician than i am like he can outplay me on everything and it's just more of a just technician music kind yeah of, yeah he just can he can freaking play everything and make great sounds and so nick being a little bit more sophisticated was able to bring some stuff to the table that wasn't really about like Zayd Wolf brute strength. It was more yeah. like being these nimble um, uh, violin lines and mm -hmm. different things like that. And so we have, I think we have six um, reimagined songs finished. Nice. Like we've got, we've got some of the favorites. We've got a couple of one of the, of the newer songs, um, and they're really cool. It's interesting when you slow a song down and you take away basically the drums and the beat and you re-sing a song to basically a piano and violin mm -hmm. how it actually takes different meaning how those sound in those ways are much more of like fragile humanity sort of in a struggle versus like this 
um, you know, brooding Zade Wolf that's just going to kind of come through and yeah. smash his way through like the Hulk, you know? Yeah. So, well, it gives it's, it's it, fun to kind of play that, play all those uh, parts. For sure, it, it shows you know it the beauty of the actual song. Sometimes you get lost in mm-hmm. all those sounds, and you know you mm-hmm. sort of forget sort of the just the, the the sort of melody and the overall feel of the song, and that gives it a whole like mm-hmm. you said, it gives it a whole new feel. So, are you gonna yeah. are you gonna release you know a whole album of those reimagined, or will it just always be sort of released reimagines as they come well since we've had so many of them finished and this was another one that we felt like that sort of got thrown kind of got thrown for a loop just because of the all mm-hmm. of the 2020 madness has happened this year yeah um and so our i think my my goal would be to to get one of these out before the year's over one of these new ones and yeah. then probably pretty early on in the year maybe do another one and then kind of try to release them as a package because i I feel like they actually sound really good together like if you were going to play through it yeah like it's a just a different it's a different vibe it's it's like one of those ones you could put on and and if you're a painter or drawing or working on your homework or something like that like it's a different setting than like going to the weight room with yeah you know Zade Wolf Gladiator or whatever. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So basically, they will be coming out in stages. We got to keep our eye out for these different these different uh, projects that you've got coming, but they are coming. Slowly but surely, yeah, you're letting we, things we, out. Yeah, we've got a, we, we've got a decent schedule of... Um, We've got a decent schedule of, um, of of kind of what's coming out right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the next couple of months. But um, uh, I can't really release all of that data just yet. <laughs> got to kind of make sure that we've that we've got all of our ducks in the row before we start telling everybody that something's really going to happen. For sure, for sure. Well, Devin, we are against a break, man. But I want to thank you for taking the time to to come on the show and talk with us about your music and everything else today. Oh man, thanks for having me. It's been it's been great talking to you, dude. It's it's cool. I feel like I actually feel like that I that I know you already. Or it's been a good chat. <laughs> for sure, man. Well, uh, listeners, if, you if you come to Nashville, then we'll just go to Cork and Cow I was together. A, right? I was about to say Cork and Cow. I'm looking forward to it, man. I I haven't had a good steak in a while, so yeah, for sure. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, well, listeners, we'll you can it. check out all things Zade Wolf on his website zadewolf.com, or you can follow him on Instagram at zadewolf. Right now, let's take a listen to the most recent song out, "Run This Town," right here on the Doc G Show. Another when I am the evidence we can do better than this. You can try to lie. 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Zade Wolf. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Dustin Burnett. He's a two-namer. Yeah. Did you, did you like that, how I asked him at the beginning of the interview if he had any Tyler Durden moments from Fight Club? That's a fact. Tyler Durden. Classic. Yeah, that's right. Dude, it's a good movie, man. Yeah, it's a I'll good put that movie. in the top ten as well. Really? We're getting close to filling that top ten, man. You got Shawshank Redemption up there. You got uh, you got uh, uh, Braveheart mm-hmm. up there. You've got uh, Fight Club mm-hmm. up there. So by getting close to filling it up, I mean three out oh. of ten. If so. you want to stay on, if we can do a whole other <laughs> podcast of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> we'll get at least... Uh, maybe a person to listen to that. Wait, what? That'd be exciting. I don't know. We. I feel like we need more people than just your list. No offense, but like, you know, like we need to bring in a couple bring people. Bring on Zade. You know, a bunch of peoples. Okay, we'll have, we'll have three people's top ten movies list. It will be phenomenal. Sweet. New, new podcast, everybody. Look out for it. It's called Top Ten Movies. Hosted by Jake, none other than Papa J Bones. He'll yep. be hosting it. Anyways, Tyler Dur- I was blown away, by the way, in Fight Club at the end when you find out it's him and he's just he's he's he he's two people and you're like, What? No way. Like I had no idea. Nobody had spoiled that movie for me and I had no idea and I didn't really pick up on all the little cues the small cues during the movie and I was just like well, mind blown I gotta say wow no, no one spoiled wow. it for you but you just spoiled it for everyone listening to this podcast yeah I'm fine with that what yeah, we, li- we, we reached the statute yeah, of limitations true, true. like if you haven't seen that movie it's 20 some years old you yeah, get on yeah. it sorry sorry uh, anyways, I got sidetracked. Zade Wolf, thank you to Dustin for coming on the show. He's, I mean, he's done so much. Production, new music coming out. Exciting, exciting stuff for him, man. Plus, it's like I said, like, it's got to be so cool to see all of your music, like, at UFC fights and NFL games and NBA games. That's got to be awesome. So true. Yeah. Like, Seeing those athletes dunk uh, to your music, you're like, yeah, I made that. Like, that's got to be pretty dope. Pretty yeah, dope. Yeah, let's talk about that that power move, too, about the, the name thing. That's pretty killer. The Yeah, I mean, that, that, it, it was smart of him, you know, to be like, to be like I don't think I'm going to get a real response with my actual name. I'm going to submit this name. And fun fact... That's the name he wanted to name his kid if it was a dude. He wanted to name his kid Zade Wolf, but it turned out it was a girl, so they didn't call it Zade Wolf. But he called his 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 music, his musical interpretation Zade Wolf. So it worked out, you know? It worked out. Anyways, thank you to Zade slash Dustin for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, hopefully. By the way, guys segue into the next segment Dustin said he wants to do a guest shoe and tell that's right he's got a couple of banging Jordans and he wants to do a guest shoe and tell that's right get excited Jake get excited I'm not excited man he's gonna take my job 
But you know what? I said I was okay with it. <laughs> well, speaking of, we're moving into the next segment. What is it, it's Jake? Shoe and tell. It's my shoe and tell. Well, your shoe and tell, but I, I'm, I'm first-hand it, witness. You are first-hand witness to shoe and tell. And, Jake, I got to say, I'm very excited today because we got a killer shoe. We got a killer shoe. That's right. Today, we've got possibly one of the greatest Jordans ever in the series of Air Jordans. The Jordan 3s. Oh, okay. The 3s. Oh, cool. Not only not only the 3s, Jake, but these are the original color scheme. The whites with cement gray. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, listeners of the show already know, Jake, they are familiar with the name Tinker Hatfield, right? That's the designer on a lot of these Jordan shoes. And this was the first shoe that Tinker actually designed for Jordan, was the Jordan 3s. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 1987, there was a lot of things going on, Jake. Jordan's contract was ending with Nike, and he didn't want to continue it. And the two guys that had convinced Jordan to come to Nike had actually just resigned from Nike, and they were trying to get him to come to their company that they were making. Say what? They were like, hey, dude, we're making our own company. You come over here. My gosh, you'll be so happy, right? And Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, was like, all right, Tink, you're the, you're the dude. You make some shoes for Jordan that make him want to stay with Nike. Jeez. It's crazy, right? And I didn't know this, Jake. Tinker Hatfield? He was on the Oregon track team with none other than Steve Prefontaine. That, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that. Crazy, man. Crazy. I had no idea of that. But before Hatfield designed these threes, he had to get to know Jordan, which is crazy because apparently back in the day, no shoe designers did that. They didn't ask the actual uh, the actual uh, NBA player what they thought of them before they made them. They were just like, hey, you're going to wear these, turd. Girl, come on! And wow. they didn't really care what they thought about it. Yeah, it's crazy. But apparently, like, this was one of the first shoes. Hatfield went to Jordan, and he was like, hey, do you like this? Do you think you'll wear this during games? What do you think about this? And Jordan gave him all these things. He was like, okay, I want a mid-cuff. I want this. I want this. And Hatfield took them all into design. And he made the Jordan 3s. And you see a bunch of the things that Jordan actually wanted. One of the things that he put on there, this is the first Jordan with the Jordan emblem. Say what? Before this and the 1s and 2s, there was never the iconic Jordan emblem. Nope. And the funny part was, Tinker Hatfield didn't make that emblem. Peter Moore, the original designer, did, but he never put it on a shoe. Oh. He just left it in all the files of the Jordans and was like, yeah, that's something I thought about, but I don't know. And as soon as Tinker Hatfield saw it, he's like, oh, we got to use that. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty And sick. guess what? It was cool. It was real cool. It still is. Uh, and... Yes! Uh... It went on to be one of, like I said, the most iconic Jordans. The one that I've got here, 
uh, is from 2014, Jake. Now, these aren't like the most sought-after threes. Nope. The most sought-after threes on the back have the original Nike Air on the back. These have the Jumpman logo instead of that. And the ones with the original Nike Air on the back, they're called 88s, as in 1988, you know? And those, Jake, they'll run you about mm, $1,000 or so. Jeez. At the cheapest to find a pair of those. At the absolute cheapest. It's crazy. These are the shoes, Jake, that saved Nike, that made Jordan a shoe icon, and made shoe collecting culture of basketball. Yes! All of those things came from this shoe. Boom. Shoe and tell, Jake. Shoe and tell. I like it a lot. Okay, Jake, last birthday a suit. This one, a little bit harder. 95%. I'm a little worried. Now, I'm a little worried. Yeah, now this one, what I want you to do, Jake, is I want you to go back and I want you to think 2012 basketball. You need to be thinking 2012 basketball. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something throughout this uh th- throughout this passage and when i say it you'll instantly know who it is let's see because the, the term will give it away but born on august 23rd 1988 in torrance california his parents had immigrated from taiwan about a decade earlier our birthday suit wearer's father taught his sons how to play basketball at the local ymca and our birthday suit wearer loved it our birthday suit wearer ended up going to Palo Alto High School, and they ended with a record of 32-1 and his senior year, with our birthday suit wearer averaging 15.1 points, 7.1 assists, 6.2 rebounds, and 5 steals. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Jeez. Ultimately, our birthday suit wearer ended up going to Harvard. His senior year at Harvard, he averaged 16.4 points, 4.4 rebounds, what? Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin is correct. Yes. I didn't even have to get to the part that I knew you would know it was him. I was talking about Lin Sanity. Yep. I knew when I said Lin Sanity, you'd know who it was. But I didn't even have to get there. Didn't even have to get there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me go through the rest of it here. He's got a pretty interesting story. So he went to the NBA draft in 2010. No team chose him. He joined a summer camp for the Dallas Mavericks in 2010, uh, but didn't actually make it on the Dallas Mavericks. He ended up getting signed by the Warriors, and when he signed with the Warriors, he was the first Taiwanese player ever in the NBA. Um, Now, very impressive. In the offseason of 2011, he worked on getting stronger, and uh, when he started working out, he had a squad of 110, Jake. Jeez. 110. Jeez. But over that summer, he doubled that. He went to 230 on squat. He went from being able to do 12 pull-ups to 30 pull-ups. He increased his vertical jump by three and a half inches, and he gained 12 pounds of muscle on his body. That's... That's some impressive off-season yeah. work right there. Yeah. That's that's some good stuff. But even with that impressive work, the the Warriors waived him. Oh. And that same year, the New York Knicks claimed him off of those waivers. 
Now, he is about to get released from the Knicks, but Antonio, uh, Mark D'Antoni was down to his third-string point guard. So he finally decided to put our birthday suit wear in. And in his first four games, starting for the New York Knicks, he averaged 27.3 points, 8.3 assists, and two steals a game. In the next game, he hit the game winner against Toronto. Say what? In that game, he became the first player to average 20 points, 7 assists, in his first uh, five starts in the NBA. That's right. In 12 starts, he averaged 22 points, 8.7 assists, and the Knicks were 9-3 and three in those 12 games. And they called that period Lynn Sanity. Yes! Boom. I remember that. Now, yep. uh, it was a front. Now, uh, sorry. It wasn't that great after that. Yeah. He didn't do that much after that. Uh, he played for the, the Rockets, the Lakers, the Hornets, the Nets, the Hawks. He, you know, he produced for all of them, but it wasn't it wasn't anywhere close to what he did in Linsanity. And luckily, last year he won a championship with Toronto. Yeah, I remember that 2019 championship with Toronto. And now this season he's been playing in the Chinese Basketball Association for the Beijing Ducks. <laughs> Beijing Ducks. Now. I think this is one of the coolest things because this is very similar to Michael Jordan. Uh, his parents were both 5'6". Jeez. And he was 6'3". Yeah, he must have skipped a generation. Hmm. Like, I just... I love that because it's like, to me, it seems like that person just wanted to play basketball so bad that he willed his body to grow like an extra nine inches. Yes! Like, just like, come on, man! I got to be a starter. Let's go. Like, because that's the same thing with Michael Jordan. Like, nobody in his family is over the, the, the height of six feet, and he's 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I didn't know. Like, his tallest yeah. his tallest living relative was, like, 5'10". It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Anyways, happy birthday to Jeremy Lin. He's turning 32. 32, Jake. There you go. There you go. Jake, we've got some great... Great guests coming up. Very excited. We got the cold stairs coming on the show. Very excited about the cold stairs. We've also got the Teskey brothers from Australia. Very excited about those guys. But for now, Jake, we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. Damn, so I have been your host, Doc G, with me, as always, that guy that has paddled with me to an island. Literally another island, folks. Jake. Papa J-Bones, parlor. Yeah, man. Ben, you keep it sleazy till next week, all right? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And listeners, you guys, zip it up and zip it out. <laughs>